Welcome back to That's What She Said, the Office podcast, the first one of 2019. Yes. Chris Curtis. Hello, Luz. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. How were your holidays and New Year's? They were lovely. Went to Jupiter, Florida. That's right. Got some sun. No Tallahassee, though. No Tallahassee. No, no Tallahassee. It was a, a lovely time. Had some R&R. Got home. Had a big New Year's. Was in bed by 10. Nice. And it was epic. How about you? It was good. Yeah. Went to New York. Oh, that's right. Yes, um, for my birthday, and then I didn't see any sparrows until I got back to New Haven. So I had to, I didn't even have to leave home to get a New York slice. You know that I've been to that sbarro in New Haven. Really? I was thinking about that so, in the train station. Yes, because I went down. I don't know if you remember this, Dennis and Callahan. Mm-hmm. I that which show again? Remember Dennis, this? I don't remember this. Dennis and Callahan. <laughs> yes. And there was a um, uh, Roger Goodell and Brady were meeting. I remember and this. So you I were on like, the slowest train in America. I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to get on the, on, in front of the building and get capture all this stuff. So this is in the middle of my booze days. So I am totally out of it. I get up late. I drive down to Stamford, or I'm sorry, drive down to New Haven, park the car, get on the train, and I'm like, I'll get there in time. The train, like, stopped three different times. Finally get there leave get nothing accomplished and the next day we were doing our show from connecticut for the travelers which is where mutt was hammered right when i told him i was an alcoholic right so i pull in and i'm starving and on the train uh, at grand central or wherever it was in new york i boozed Mm -hmm. up so i get back to new haven i'm like i need some food before i drive to the travelers and i get off in new haven and what do i see but sabaro it's right there i tweeted out i went back to my twitter account I tweeted out, I'm going to get me a New York slice that day. So, perfect for the Office podcast. We have to retweet that from a Twitter account that we should create for this yes. podcast now. That's what she said, Lucy That's what Curtis. she said. Also, did you take Metro North? Yes. Because that stops more than three times. It stops yes. like ten times. Metro North was the worst. I was That was the it. slow train? I took. I it mean, wasn't the Acela or anything? No, I didn't take the Acela. Oh, that's right, because from New Haven. They, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So that was my experience at that Sabaro. So we've been to the same one. It's amazing. Wow. Just I didn't like go two there, years though. apart, three, four. Yeah, like ten years apart, but right. that's fine. But the slice was still delicious. It's always the same. It's it's amazing. The same slice wherever you it go. It tastes like New York in a pie. It is. It really is, and Michael Scott knows it. <laughs> so one thing we decided with this podcast was that we would go episode by episode. Right. So each podcast would be about a different episode so naturally we're going to start with the pilot correct which seems like a lifetime ago i watched it last night and then i watched it today after the show and it was amazing looking back on it all the little things and just how much each character evolved over the period of the nine whatever seasons it was oh big time i mean seeing them in their first and this is people like this wasn't stars steve carell wasn't a star uh, Jenna Fisher certainly wasn't a star. My good friend John Krasinski wasn't a star. Rain best Wilson. friend. None of these people were stars. Mm-hmm. So it was like their make or break or, you know, their career defining moment on this pilot that this could be their big, big shot. So it was very cool to watch back. Definitely. I had one question watching this. I was thinking, would you continue watching this show if you saw that today? If you saw that one episode, it's a new show. Would you keep watching? Would What would you think of the show? Okay. Why, uh, we may go like chronologically here, yeah. so I don't want to get out of turn. Mm-hmm. But the scene of that episode, in my opinion, that would have brought me back for the second episode was the Todd Packer phone call when they were sitting in with Jan, Pam, and Michael talking about the downsizing. 
and he gets this phone call from Todd Packer, and he's calling her whatever Sluttery Clinton or whatever. Yeah, Hillary is Hillary there. Is Hillary there, and just <laughs> Hillary, call her Hillary Rodham Clinton. The, whatever. Another thing would never be said on on uh, oh the never today. Does the carpet, whatever that. Yeah, does the carpet match the drapes? Right, right. Like absolutely never on the air today. That scene, in and of itself, the facial expressions of everybody in that scene, mm-hmm. and this that totally out of the you know not out of the norm moment for TV today, that would have brought me back for another episode. Right. Also, he answered the phone. Just a couple <laughs> things about this scene. He answered in the middle of a meeting with Jan. Uh, not only a meeting, a meeting about, like, the end of his company. Yes. His, his branch. Yes. And so he answers and it's Todd Packer, of all people. He hung up and he said, that's a just horrib- horrifying, <laughs> terrible person. And, and, uh, and Pam's face is like, what is going on? And I wonder, too, they never really specify when Pam started, but she wasn't, like, newer to Dunder Mifflin at the time or something, because she knew who Michael was right. and what he was all about. So then the fake firing happened, and she calls him a jerk. But I wonder, so watching this, I'm thinking, is Michael playing this up because the camera's there? Because sometimes, you like, it's a documentary. Like, right. they're, they're, do they act like this all the time? That's a good point. Michael act like this? He's kind of like a mean guy in the first episode. He's kind of like a bully. Almost. He's a bully, and he's... Um He's he's much more rough around the edges in the op- in the pilot than he is later on in the episodes. Like he looks so far over his head. He the opening you know first couple minutes of the episode he comes out and back when like waza was the cool thing, and he's just standing in the middle of the workspace, just like looks like he has no idea where he is, what he's doing, doesn't belong there, is totally uncomfortable, and that could be. Like what a normal guy who works a nine to five job as a regional manager would look like if all of a sudden cameras appeared in the middle of their workplace. That's true. And then he goes back into his office. Nobody, everyone's silent. Nobody knows what to do. And he's like, all right, back to work (laughs) when he's the one interrupting them from the work. So you wonder. And I also wonder if he when they kind of thought up who Michael Scott would be, were they taking from Ricky Gervais and they wanted him to be from the British version, kind of the same type of guy so this was before michael scott turned into himself into morphed into who michael scott was and his own person right so i wonder if that had anything to do with it i don't know that's true yeah it was a i mean it was amazing just looking back on it because you and i have seen each episode dozens of times and i don't think for whatever reason i know i don't when I'm scanning through my library of office episodes, I don't often click back to the pilot. I think this was the first time I saw it in years. Same. I don't think I – on New Year's Day, there was a office uh, marathon on Cozy TV, and I watched it that day. But that was the first time – because it started with the pilot, which, yeah, it was weird because I hadn't seen the pilot in forever either. Um, and I would never think to go back and watch the pilot. Yeah. Whenever I think, oh, I'm going to watch The Office, same. Like, I just want to watch – the, like the meat of the episodes and the pilot i don't know if if i saw that on tv today i'd wonder is this show gonna make it right well it definitely is you know i, I obviously i'm biased because i you know wh- when i watched it back i had already seen every other episode yeah so i'm you know i can't it sort of clouds my judgment of how i would have perceived it if it was the first thing i ever saw but there's enough like the there's enough chemistry early on. Mutt wouldn't be able to notice it, but there is some. Mutt knows nothing about chemistry. No. He says we have bad chemistry. Right. It's so that's clearly false. false. Yes. So the episode, in terms of just the the body language and the way they interact, just the scene where um, Dwight begins by pushing the papers off of Jim's desk to establish that this is where my desk ends and yours begins. You're not going to place your things on my area. 
and then just seeing Jim put the pencils up, like putting a barbed wire fence around his area. And then to cap it off, you have Dwight pounding each pencil down perfectly with his phone. It was just, you know, I don't know. It, it was great to see the beginning of that relationship evolve. And you also see how the characters are first introduced as characters to the audience. So, like, Dwight is first formally introduced to us through Michael introducing us or introducing Ryan to him. So then we say, we hear him say, like, oh, this is Dwight Trout. He's a salesman. And then the main characters seem to be, at first, to establish them, Michael, Pam, Jim, Dwight, and Ryan, basically. I mean, Angela is in... The way we find out who Angela is kind of and what she's about is Pam and Jim, I forgot about this completely, are talking to each other and Pam says, are you going to Angela's cat party? And then they laugh. And they're like, okay, Angela likes cats. That's who she is. And then you kind of figure out who each person is based on how they talk to each other about that person. Right. And the biggest thing, you see this weird sight... you get to see Angela very briefly is that Kevin has he's eating lunch and he's got some shit on his face and she's like disgusted by him and tells him to wipe his face <laughs> off and they quickly pan back to whatever they were doing before. But I one interesting thing I picked up on was the first prank from Jim and Dwight was not by Jim. Dwight goes behind Jim, waits, waits, and taps him on the right shoulder. Jim turns around and Dwight starts laughing that like he got Jim. So you're thinking if you just start watching it there that like it's a tit for tat, you know, that like Dwight and Jim really go back and forth. Right. Then it evolves with the a pencil and then it evolves into the jello and the um, in Dwight's shit. Exactly. And then you see their relationship and you're like, OK, these guys prank each other. Right. That's how that is. But Jim is clearly the sane one and Dwight is the one that's crazy. Right. And Dwight's the one who creates very the first pilot, the first mm-hmm. episode. You see that Dwight has created this fake moniker for himself that assistant regional manager yes. that michael always corrects him as assistant to the regional manager and you have the <laughs> i don't know it's just jim's character is i've always loved jim we both we like jim we love jim and john krasinski we love jim right he's the best his brother if, has the podcast if john info, is listening right? we loved him i mean i actually heard they talked about it over christmas so did you yeah. hear that did he email you back <laughs> no but i heard that i was talking to myself so um no they had the he begins, you sort of understand where he comes from and all of his antics in the, in the show by the first episode. He sits there and he's talking about, he's trying to describe to the audience what he does for a living. And he can't even finish the couple sentences on what selling paper entails and what he does before saying, I'm just bored by this. I can't even talk about it anymore, which leads you to why he sits there and plans pranking Dwight all day. Right. And he read those lines in the audition. That uh, his one of his audition videos is him talking about the job and saying, like, oh, I'm just bored uh, talking about it. So it's one of those. And it's it's in the pilot. Really? And it it starts with that. And then going ahead to the finale, Pam says um, there is beauty in the simple things. And that's kind of the point. Right. And Jim starts out with the simplest thing is your job is simple and boring. Right. But there's beauty in it, and that's what the whole show goes on to show. But that's beyond the pilot. Well, but think about that, right? Scranton, Mm -hmm. they picked the most basic, boring town in in any part of America. Selling paper. Selling paper in a paperless world. In a paperless world. And you have... Limitless paper. (laughs) Limitless paper in a paperless (laughs) world. And you have this office space filled with people who if they were sitting next to you at a dinner party for the most part you'd be like how do i get stuck with you know stanley or phyllis or angela or kevin right you know they're just filled with the people that are just you would look past in everyday life but you have this documentary covering everything about them and then they become interesting right and i wonder also if the documentarians are 
not amateur, but new at this too, because the lighting isn't great at the beginning. They're working in an office, so it's not great anyway. Right. But nobody looks like they're a star, no, which is good. That's why they chose people that aren't stars to be in it. But they like there's their hair isn't perfect like you'd see in other shows. Their outfits are like what you'd wear to an office. There isn't a lot of color to it. It's a lot of beige and like kind of blandish. It's like Toby's voice in an, in a <laughs> in a show. Well, right in the first episode, you have the only one that looks somewhat like a not a movie star, but like a well dressed, done up person is Jan. Jan. And she's coming from New York. Yes. So you have the one person arrive, and she stands out because she's the boss, but she's also not based there, and she's not from Scranton. And I think the the part where you have the the sit down. With Jan and Pam and Michael, and right before that, there's the scene at the de- at Pam's desk, where he's getting the facts, and he's got the you know I'm gonna throw it in the waste paper basket. It just it evolves so quickly from there into that being this huge issue. And there's how many of those moments in the uh, in the history of the office where you have Michael so awkward, does the dumbest thing at the worst possible time, and there's just that like brief second or two of just total awkward silence, which is the scene in that in that part of that scene where michael sits down she asks if he got the agenda for the meeting and he says i don't know what happened pam has to describe that he put it in this filing cabinet the waste paper basket and then there's that awkward moment (laughs) and he said that was actually a joke that was my brother's (laughs) but it, it paints him as a person who wants to wants to be funny and wants to be the cool guy needs to be liked yes needs to be liked doesn't have to be liked doesn't want to be liked needs to be liked it has to be a part of everything yes and he says in the episode i want to be what a boss first a friend second entertainer third <laughs> or no wait no friend i wrote it down i wrote it down in my notes cuz i took notes on this and i was uh friend first boss second entertainer third which is interesting because he seems to want to be the entertainer first. Right. Be, but I, I wonder if it's because if the cameras are on. Would he be as animated and as like walking around playing pranks on people? Uh, the Jello thing, would he have dealt with it like that if the cameras weren't on? Well, that goes to your point earlier on because you said Pam had been working there, we think, for a little bit. And yet when she has this prank pulled on her by Michael in front of Ryan, she is crying angry calls him a jerk it wasn't the actions of someone who was accustomed to that type of behavior exactly so maybe the entertainer is exaggerated because he's in front of this audience and he wants people to you know because as it goes on i mean count the amount of things you know where he's blocked himself and he's michael the magic magic (laughs) and she's just like oh michael right and at that point she's not really as bothered by it right but so yeah i thought that was a interesting thing and you also got to see the birth of the mug world's greatest boss yes in one of the first scenes ever right. and it lasts for the rest of his time there it's always there and you yes. find out right there that he is needy he got it himself for himself spencer gifts spencer gifts <laughs> which was a big thing back it then. it was it's very timely too right in that time it's a lot of references to things that might have been in scranton at the steam town mall i think is real oh really i think so Yes, we'll we'll confirm that. We have to point. do a, we have to do a remote at the Steam Town Mall. We have to do an office tour remote podcast from each location. Right. <laughs> at Jitters at the Steam Town Mall where I mean, Ryan goes later. <laughs> we have to go to the antique shop where yes. Dwight tried to go and show up right. red hands and red face. To the wizard store. Right. But that's we don't know about that yet because we've only seen right. the pilot. No, sir. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Pilot. Another thing I noticed, and I think everyone would notice watching this, is Michael's hair oh my is God. completely different. It's, it's hard to pay attention to him. Like, it's hard to focus on what he's saying because his hair is just so 
bizarre. It's like he's an entirely different person. Right. And it evolves over time, but it's odd. It's like a Gordon Gecko type of thing. It's so weird. And they did such a good job on, it was probably DiStefano or Dr. Robert Leonard. Both Definitely. are great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a amazing transformation that he goes through because he looks so different later on. I mean, looks he looks, so much better. He looks like a movie star. Yes. Which is interesting. Do they become more like stars as they go on? Like Pam's, Pam's hair as they go on gets better when she and Jim get together. But they look like completely normal people in the first episode. You'd wonder like almost this is why I kind of wondered would I watch this show? There's no like vibrancy or color or whatever and Michael is the only and I guess Todd Packer the only kind of spark in right. it. And it, I mean I maybe I would keep I mean I'd keep watching but I would wonder is this going anywhere kind of thing and to see where the characters end up I guess. Well, the episode in and of itself sort of presents itself in that way because it's you almost think it's over before it starts. Yes. Because they're they're talking about the downsizing. They're talking about what's going to happen in the future. He fake fires, fake fires Pam. Mm-hmm. And even I was like, wow, like what, if this is my first episode, you know, you're just getting to know these characters. They're going to totally change. The Stanford branch is going to either one is going to take it over. And that's a parallel. That's a, a theme of this show that carries on for seasons about, you know, the merger or not. I mean, that takes three seasons to get to. But that episode. With them sitting there in this just awkward, tense moment. I mean, we can all put ourselves in that position of being in a, a job where you don't know what the future is. You have this moron and a boob for a boss. But for me, my favorite theme of The Office is and will always be Jim and Pam. And you have the beginning of sort of the awkward Roy-Jim relationship and her being pu- Pam being pulled in multiple directions. It starts in the pilot. Definitely, because she's having fun with Jim, and they're laughing, and then suddenly Roy comes in, the laughing stops completely, and right. you see that juxtaposition between Roy and Jim and how they each make Pam feel. And she wants to go out for a beer with Jim and everybody, and Roy says, no, we're going home. And that's it. That's that. Pam has no choice. Right, and you have Jim standing there, and he's his whole demeanor shifts. Like, he's at that that her desk and they're laughing and he's grabbing a mint or whatever a piece of candy and he basically completely tenses up she walks in and i mean he walks in and it's like the whole mood it's like somebody turned off the music yeah and she's she's even timid with him at the outset because she's like sort of asking for permission yeah she can do anything and right after she starts talking to him you hear yeah, Roy's my fiance. We've been engaged for three years. We were going to get married in the fall, but we're going to push it to the spring. So immediately you know that she's unhappy with the state of their relationship. She's been wanting to get married for a while, and they lay the groundwork that this marriage is probably never going to happen. Right. And you see the beginning as a viewer thinking, well, Jim and Pam could get together, kind of like a Sam and Diane thing is going to go on here. Right. And I don't know how different. I never. I think I saw the first episode of the British one, um, but... I guess it was kind of similar, the Pam Jim thing, and oh, there really? was a Dwight kind of, but I mean, I like this better, way better. And it's more, it becomes more developed and it's more Americanized, obviously. Um, but yeah, you can see that there is something there right. because they laugh when they're together and they're having fun. The whole mood shifts, and you can see that, how they look at each other, and then you have basically the entire tenor of their relationship is, is on display, and then the second. Pam gets up because she's awkward or she's like, I have to go get this done. The faxes. The faxes. It's only 520. Or... Right. And so Jim and Roy are standing together, basically silent. And Jim's just sort of waiting for him to leave. 
and I guess they may have said one or He said, know. what's in the bag? Because oh, right. Roy was carrying a bag, and Jim said, what's in the bag? And Roy said, just tell her I'll be down in the car or something. Right, so Roy obviously feels threatened by Jim. Yes. And then Roy leaves, and Jim just sort of gets up, turns around, and goes back to his desk, and it was sort of this... You knew that that was going to be a big part of the show. You know, you didn't really know what Roy's role would be, but you could sense the Jim and Pam and that dynamic was going to be a, a big feature. And you also see that Roy works there, that he has the Dunder Mifflin uh, right. out uniform with his name. So you know that he worked in the building. I don't know. I forget if they mentioned the warehouse or not, um, but that is part of it, too. So you know that he's close by, but there's still he's not in the office with Jim and right, Pam, he's not so. immediately around them every day right yes. so it's a um, but he's looming right so I don't know I, I love that I, I think the the other sort of funny part of this was sort of the establishing of what Ryan's character would be on the show and you have Ryan who it's his first day and it's a great tool by the writers of the show that he's going to be the one that allows everybody to get to know everybody in the office because as he's meeting them so are you and so you have Ryan coming in and, you know, he's introduced to Dwight, assistant to the regional manager. That's where we first get that established. But his biggest role, in my opinion, in this pilot episode was when Michael pranks Pam. So they're they're sitting down and, and he says, what, he was in his office, that we're going to play a prank. Or do you, know, do you, you know? like the Jamie Kennedy experience? <laughs> Another <laughs> reference at the time right. was huge. Right. So he says, do you like the Jamie Kennedy experience? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they bring Pam in. They sit her down. And Michael starts talking to her about stealing post-it notes. <laughs> and he's kind of trying not to laugh the whole time. It's so obvious. He he's thinks he's like Jamie Kennedy. This right. is where you see he thinks he's like a, a Bob Hope right. or a Robin Williams. It's or example number one or two of him thinking he's far smarter and far more suave than he really is. Yes. And so he's sitting there and he's got this shitty grin on his face. And Ryan is sitting He's already white as can be, but he looks like a ghost. His so, head is like in his hands. He doesn't want to look. It's just so uncomfortable. Right. And so Michael's proceeding to tell Pam that she's stealing these post-it notes and it's a stolen company property. Pam says, I've never stolen even a paperclip. Like, what are you talking about? And right. Like, well, we're going to have to let you go for cause. And so we're not going to have to pay you any severance. severance. <laughs> he said, that's the best part. That's the best part. <laughs> and so he says. Um, um, and she starts crying. Right. So then I think that's when he realized we have to rein this in and now I have to tell her. Right. You can see his mind working and right. think, how would Jamie Kennedy do this? <laughs> this is sort of coming off the tracks here. Yes. And uh, he said Ryan was in on it and Ryan was shaking his right. head and Pam was like, you're a jerk. And then she walks out. But Right. But that was the big scene of that scene and the Todd Packer scene were sort yes. of the, the signs of this was going to be at least a little different from other shows and was going to really show off. The stupidity of Michael and the how that sort of permeates the workplace with that awkward sort of bizarre tense tense feeling. Another awkward moment, the Jello scene. Oh yes, when they start making jokes that reference Jello or pudding, or when Ryan said you should put him in custody, right. and then Michael is trying to think of right. a Jim like says, I'm a, I thought you were a huge flan. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a huge fan. Right. And then Michael is trying to think of another like dessert thing to say. And right. he's like, oh, what a pudding, pudding. 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 Um, it's so awkward because he's trying too hard. And he's that's who this guy in. is. Yes, that's who he is. Right. He's someone who's just out of place, trying to fit in. And these coworkers of his do not respect him. You see that from the beginning of the episode. They look down on him. They're constantly trying to get their work done where this moron keeps interrupting by taking up their time with either was up or jokes or practical mm -hmm. jokes or trying to fit and in. And mean things when he's like being he's being a bully. Right. And so it's a um, 
and the other the the part where um they're in the office when Packer calls with Jan and Jan notices that he didn't take the fax, mm-hmm. threw it away. That's I don't know if we want to look ahead at yeah, all. Absolutely. But that reminds me of the PowerPoint yes. with Ryan. Where you have this person coming up from New York. Ryan at that time was Michael's boss yes. in the same role that Jan had. And he had sent Ryan, uh, Michael an email about having to set up this presentation and organize it. And he says, yeah, I did it. And he goes, click. And it's like installing. <laughs> it's setting minutes. up. And it says it'll take 12, uh, like uh, 20 minutes. It's like, okay, so it'll take about 10 minutes. <laughs> and then Ryan has become his boss. Right. And now he's the temp. And that's the, yeah, that was the rise of Ryan. But that's right. a different, but then he kind of falls in love with him too. Right. So we see Literally. the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, diary. <laughs> the beginnings of that we see right. on Ryan's first day. It's also the very first episode is where Michael first refers to the office as his family. He says, we're all a family here. And that's kind of a theme throughout the whole series where he doesn't have a family. So the office is his family. But people keep telling him, you know, why can't your workers be your work? Ed Truck told him this in one episode. Like, why can't your workers be your workers and your family be your family, your friends be your friends? Michael doesn't like that. He thinks that his workers are his family and his friends and his workers all in one and we see that kind of in the first episode he tries to joke with them because emphasis on tries because it's it's so awkward but he wants them to be his family and to them for them to feel like a family too yeah it's it's a guy that you can i mean it'd be impossible to say just watching that episode that he doesn't have friends outside of work but you can sense that he is very needy of connection at work so that would obviously lead you to believe that he's probably not going out and hanging out and having a good life outside of the workplace but his desire to be he even tries to do this scene where he's talking to pam and he's like i'm gonna go run and get that done and he does this like awkward slow motion run in the middle of a workplace and it's like people are like is this supposed to be funny like i don't even know what's going on here it was very odd yes it's cringeworthy but that's the point is and he does that all the time i mean that's you know what he turns into but in a more entertaining as a viewer way as he goes on there are also a lot of random people walking around this episode that we never see again that's true they're just in the conference room the first time they're in the conference room everybody looks uncomfortable it's the downsizing part so of course they're going to be uncomfortable but there are a lot of people we never see again so you wonder what happened there yeah i don't don't know I, i don't know whether it was like i don't know when this was the pilot was filmed versus when they started filming the the first season but it was Early on in the office, the first season, I believe, was only like six episodes. I don't think it was. Uh, it, uh, yes, I think so. It wasn't many. It wasn't many. Yeah. And I talked to Jim, John Halpert, Jim. Yes, Halpert, John Halpert. John Jimothy. Jimothy. <laughs> Jimothy. Jimothy. Jimothy Halpert Krasinski. Oh, God. Um, so it, it wasn't until season two, about halfway through that season, that he knew it was going to even. They were sort of day to day early on, were episode to episode. Like, this wasn't like a do the pilot we start season one and we're off and running it was a prolonged experience so i'm sure there was a lot of people in and out early on and that's even a brilliant way to begin the season i don't know if they Mm -hmm. did that in britain but the downsizing is an easy way to explain away if characters begin and exit from the episodes exactly it's there are people leaving there's obviously economic turmoil and we don't know what's going to happen anyway so there's it makes sense that there would be people that you may have seen in that first episode that would not be there. Later. Right. And actually, about the, the reviews for the episode, the uh, critics weren't thrilled with it at first. Like It says, although many perceived the first episode to have been a failure, some outlets praised the new show um, while berating the show for coming across slowly and painfully. The Boston Globe oh, said that it is funny. So that's oh, insightful wow. stuff, Take as always, theory. from the Boston, Boston Globe. Boston Globe, right again. 
Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, they predicted that well. Like, that's, uh, they're, uh, they're, whatever. So. They can go one for 50. Yeah, right. Um, so, it, it wasn't taken, compl- like, it's not, like, people saw that this was going to be a hilarious show. And this would be the big hit that it is now. Right. With the, I mean, usually with the first episode, you can't really tell. But with this one, you go back and you think this is not like the clunky. rest of the show. It is a little clunky. Exactly. That's the perfect word for it. Clunky. If I were writing for the Globe, I would have written a little clunky. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to write for the Globe. No. Awful. Ew. <laughs> yeah, so that's just... I would never be friends with Jerry. Yeah, exactly. Who would want to go through life without Jerry? Uh, exactly. So that's like... that, And also the end of the episode with the Guatemalan guy. That was the other thing. <laughs> when he said that he had a worker who was Guatemalan and said that he wanted Michael to be the godfather of his son. And he said he was so touched by it and it really you know, was heartwarming. Um, but then he said it didn't work out, though. We had to fire him. He's a terrible worker. <laughs> So that shows my, I don't know what that shows about Michael, but it, it's well, just, just it something. It carries on the needy aspect. Of right. It. That's true, too. Yes. That he had to, he had to let everybody know that this guy wanted him to be his right, son's Right, that there was somebody in the office that liked him. Yes, exactly. It, that's true. That's a good point. And I believe, I could be mistaken, but at the end of the episode, Jim's sort of alone putting his stuff away, and you sort of get the lonely aspect of what Jim's life is, because Pam has to go home with her fiancé. She can't go out and get drinks with everybody. Right. And it's like Jim only cared about her coming. He didn't care really about getting drinks, but this was an opportunity for him to go to mingle with, with Pam after work. And when that was no longer part of the equation, he was just sort of like his day was ruined. Like right. You could tell that's to the, the extent to which he cared about being around Pam at that moment. Exactly. I mean, you can tell right away that Pam is what Jim looks forward to when he goes to work. Right. The it's only thing. The only thing, because everything else is boring. Well, that in shitting on Dwight. But we see that with too. her laughter when she sees the jello in his, when his stapler is, when Dwight's stapler is in jello because mm-hmm. of Jim. He places it down on his desk, and you hear this great laugh. <laughs> Her laugh, Pam, yes. And it's Jim getting a laugh out of Pam, and that's everything comes back to making her happy, making fun of Dwight, makes Pam happy, therefore makes Jim happy. Exactly. And Michael did have a funny line when he said, you have to eat it out of there. That was <laughs> that funny. Was that was good. If he had just left it at that and not tried to do any custody Right, no jokes, pudding. Yes, that was good. Yes, that, that was, was a good, good. But of course, Jim was the quickest wit saying, I'm a big fan. Right. Plus, he's eating jello. Right. <laughs> which, I mean, it's clearly not the same jello, but right. for the effect, I guess. Jim it wasn't had jello to... shots because you can't get those in the North End. Right. That's true. We know that. <laughs> you can't There's you can't get a liquor license that easily. Or there's no there's no bring your own beer in the North End. No BYOB. We know that now. That sucks. Yes. Oh, it's terrible. We're not going to open a restaurant. <laughs> really affects you, I guess. <laughs> I'm screwed. They have no club soda. <laughs> um. Yeah. And Pam also didn't drink in the first episode of the office there you go yes a teetotaler yes for that exactly one. until she gets to later chilies on yeah but we can't say it <laughs> we're not there yet um but yeah so that's the pilot of the office awesome that was fun that was fun i think we nailed it i think we're gonna have to go on to diversity day oh my god next week my favorite yes that's one of my favorite episodes that's the episode that i don't know did you start watching the office from the beginning like the first time it aired I don't know which episode I saw first. I was pretty early in the week-to-week stages of The Office okay. because um, two colleagues of mine were big Office UK fans. And so when The Office came here, they were they had always talked about The Office. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I lived in England, and I didn't watch The Office. So anyway, I was pretty early to it, but I don't remember which my first episode was. I do remember definitely being on board week-to-week by the time we got to the end of Season 2 when we got to Casino Night. Like, I remember that, and then I remember waiting watching Jim and Pam on the Today Show to start season three right. and being like, what's going to happen? And they sort of gave a little tease. So that was, uh, I was all in by season three, but I don't remember when in season two. It wasn't season one, I don't think. Okay, yeah. Because Diversity Day 
if I was watching the show week to week from the beginning, this is the episode that would make me want to watch every single week. And we see so much more out of all the characters. Yes. I cannot wait to watch it They again. come alive. Yes, they do. Yes. All right. Wonderful. So uh, we will be back next week with Diversity Day. Awesome.